Hey there, everyone. Thank you for welcoming me to wherever you are today. Let's take a deep dive. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Listen, at the beginning of 2021, we kind of launched into this focal point that we were calling God's promises. And in God's promises, we have found so much strength, so much encouragement, not just in the promise of God, but in the fulfillment of God, the fulfillment of God's word, the fulfillment of what God has said. You know, the promises of God, we, this has been a scripture all year long, the promises of God are yes and in him, amen. The promises of God are yes, you can depend on them. God is not a man that he should lie, and they are amen, the fulfillment, the the, the, the ending factor of what God said, the fulfillment, the overreaching goal has been accomplished of what God has said. And the great thing about the promises of God that we've learned this year is that God could give a promise to a people years and years and years ago, but yet that promise still apply to us today. And so we have been walking through this whole journey of this whole year of God's promises. And as we kind of come into December, we have kind of decided that we're going to go into God's promises Christmas edition, and we're going to finish strong. We're going to finish with the promises of God as it has to do with the coming of Jesus Christ. And we're going to dig into some things that are really important that are under attack even today. Theology foundational principles, truth, the truth of God's word under attack, and that as believers that we have to, and I'm not assuming that we're all believers, but I'm just saying as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to be fully grounded in the truth so that we will know when something that is false comes. Listen, the word of God is is filled. The letters in the New Testament are filled with warnings to the churches and to the believers about false prophets, about deceivers. You know, Peter goes into that a lot in his small letters about deception and false teachers and those who will come who are after their own desires and their own hearts and their own thoughts and will begin to to pull believers away. We know that the resurrection of Jesus was in contention. We know that that the law and what you have to do in your life, even after accepting Christ, you know, was was on contention. What you eat was in contention. How you have, uh, when you gather in the synagogue or church, what that looks like. Like all these things were being contended, not necessarily by quote unquote believers, but it was coming from an outside, the outside sort of flesh was trying to come in and attack what God was trying to do. And so, Today, we want to take kind of a, a, a deep dive. We don't want to go shallow. Sometimes people think, hey, you know, on campus, you can go a little bit deeper online. You know, people's t- attention spans only three minutes or five minutes or whatever. And listen, I trust you. I believe you can take a deep dive, and I believe you want to take a deep dive. You don't want superficial. You don't want to be entertained today. You don't want us to just stay on the surface. You want this to be real. You want it to be transparent. You want it to be meaningful and you want whatever is going to be distributed to you today, you want that to have some substance and foundation so that whenever something comes, you can stand strong. You can stand firm. The Bible calls it being steadfast, right? So we're going to take a deep dive. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And here's what the, the word of the Lord says. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now, this time of year, we have heard this a lot. We hear it in songs. We, we, we see it on uh, 
television programs. We see it in movies, all these different things. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now that word Emmanuel, that title, so to speak, means God with us. So it says that there will be a virgin and she shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, in the context of this, this was given to the king of Judah. Ahaz, an evil king, and Assyria is attacking. The enemies are coming after them. And understand this prophecy was 740 years before Jesus was even born. And I was just talking to somebody about this today is that there's no way I think that they understood the gravity of what this meant. It was just kind of this word that came and we don't know if they thought, hey, Emmanuel's coming tomorrow to save us from this battle or whatever. I don't even know if Isaiah realized the weight of what he was saying, if he really actually saw it or, or it was more of just, this is what the Lord is saying. But this prophecy is 740 years before Jesus was born and he's prophesying. And here's what Isaiah's prophesying. He's not just prophesying that this one issue is going to get taken care of. What he was prophesying when he talked about the virgin and bringing forth the son and he shall be called Emmanuel is that there is no way the enemy will ultimately win against God's people. Like that's the promise. The promise is, listen, Emmanuel is coming. God with us, not just God distant from us, but God with us. And we know that this promise will encapsulate not just God with us, but God in us, the spirit of God in us. And Isaiah is saying, listen, Emmanuel hasn't been born yet, but he will come. And in terms that we understand, Isaiah was saying yes and amen. It's a prophetic sign to Judah, but it's also a prophetic sign to us today. It is a fulfillment that we get to walk in today because sin appears to be all powerful but we belong to God. Listen, sin just, you know, when you say that word, a lot of people avoid that word because they, they understand that there is a power to sin. There is a temptation to sin. There is a draw to sin, but we belong to God. God has given us the victory. He's given us the victory over sin. And the virgin birth declares God is with us. God is with us. Now, why is this so important? All right, I got some points for you. I think we're gonna break it down into a couple different ways. Why is this so important? Why is this promise so important? Why is it so important, the virgin birth? Number one, God became human. God became human. Now this is, when you say these words, there is, there is a thought process, that, process out there that even when you say this word, people get uncomfortable. And it begins to stir up arguments and contentions and all manner of things. God became human. Listen, Jesus, fully God, fully man. And there is an attack even today on the deity of Christ, against the deity of Christ. The same conversation that Jesus had with his disciples over 2,000 years ago. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, He says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? It's the same contention today. Like, who do you say that Jesus is? The, The deity of Jesus, the virgin birth is being attacked. And the enemy is is not so smart and brilliant all at the same time, knowing where to come, knowing where to create cracks in the foundation. 
And Jesus brings this amazing word and he says, <clears throat> so they said to him, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus says to him, listen, I don't care what anybody else says. Who do you say that I am? Peter answers, says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's the same conversation. Like, who do you say that Jesus is? Some today say that Jesus was a good man. He was a prophet. Some even say, yes, he died on the cross, but deny the virgin birth. They deny the virgin birth. They deny that, that Jesus was born of a virgin. What this promise says in Isaiah, they deny its very existence. That it wasn't, he wasn't born of a virgin. Well, the Bible's clear that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Matthew chapter one and verse 18 says this. Matthew one and 18, I think we're gonna read three verses here. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. It's of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was not conceived by man. In woman, but not by man. Now catch this. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Listen, don't check out. We're taking a deep dive here because this is something that's under attack and you need to know the truth. He was born of a woman to be fully man. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit to be fully God. Listen, the egg from a woman, like we all get this, the egg from a woman, but guess what? The seed wasn't from man, the seed was from God. The egg from a woman, the seed from God, because the iniquities of the fathers are passed down to the children. The iniquity comes through the seed, but Jesus was born without sin. If he's born of a man, if it's Joseph's seed, <clears throat> right? Then Jesus is, is born into this world from man, but he is born from the spirit of woman, but from the spirit, conceived by the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. God became human. That shouldn't be this argumentative statement. Emmanuel, God with us. Notice, God with us. Not man with us but he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Let there be no mistake. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Man, Scott, that's just wild. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we're gonna deal with that here in just a moment of what, what do we do with all this? Like, what do we do with the mystery? What do we do with the things we can't explain? What, what do we do with all that? But first, let's go to point two. God became human. Wait a second. Is that a typo? <laughs> did, I, did I just hear right? First point, God became human. Second point, God became human. The first part of God became human, fully God, conceived by the Spirit. The second part of God became human, he was born. 
His life was dependent upon others. He was born of a virgin, a woman, entrusted into the care of who? Humans. Although angelic hosts were there when he was born, they did not raise him. They did not do life with him. They did not feed him. It was humanity. It was humanity that taught him in school. It was humanity. And when he went into the synagogue to hear the teachings, it was humanity that he prayed with in the synagogue at the temple. I mean, at the hour of prayer, it was humanity. God became the creation. He grew up, he went to school, he had friends, he worked, he cried, he laughed. In the same way there is a a war raging over the virgin birth, there is also a war over whether or not God actually became man. Not just about coming from a virgin and being conceived by the spirit, but that he actually became a man. Listen, we're talking about the deity of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the humanity of Jesus Christ. First John chapter four, verse two and three. By this, you know the spirit of God. Hear this. By this, you know the spirit of God. And here's how we know that people way back when were dealing with the same issues that we deal with today. Listen, a lot of things that we deal with today, contentions, things that come against our faith are not new. They're not new arguments. They may be phrased a little bit differently. The language may seem a little bit different, but the argument is the same. 1 John 4, 2 and 3, by this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Did you guys catch that? By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Wow. Like, laid out. Why is it so important that Jesus came in the flesh? If he didn't become a man, then he didn't really bleed and die for our sins. Redemption didn't really happen. Well, let me tell you this. It's not this grand illusion that God pretended to atone for my sins. It's reality. God provided atonement for my sins in the form of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter two, verse 14 says this. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Jesus Christ had to die as a man. He had to die. We talk so many times about you know, the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus on the cross and the resurrection, how all that plays together. But in the garden of Gethsemane, I see Jesus not really as the son of God. I see him going there as a man. We see as he's sweating, as it's pouring out of his body, it comes out as droplets of blood. His humanity is being squeezed. Get Shemmi, olive press. It's just like the, 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 the pit of that olive and then the skin of that olive and that skin is being just crushed and every bit of oil, every bit of substance that's inside of it is coming out. That's what's happening to Jesus in the garden. He's being abandoned. His friends are abandoning him. They're betraying him. He's all alone. And that's when he says, 
If it be so, let this cup pass from me. Talking to his father. But then he just comes right behind that and he says, but not my will, but your will be done. The virgin birth assures us that Jesus was fully God. We were separated from God by a chasm we couldn't cross. God became a man and crossed the chasm for us. Jesus, who is fully God, became fully man, fully redeemed us. Now, Scott, you just gave two points that were exactly the same. Yes, I did, but different. God became human, conceived by the Spirit, God became human, born of a woman. Fully God, fully man. So what do we say about all this? Like what, like what do we say to all this? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. <laughs> Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What do we say to that? Here's what we say to that. Two things. Two points, two subpoints. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. So many times we feel like that, that we have to explain everything about God and then what we end up doing is we end up giving a human perspective, a human explanation for a God who is above our thoughts and above our ways. We give an explanation that only makes sense in our fragile minds. And you know what happens then? Then we begin to make stuff up. I went there. You would be amazed at how many things that people think are in the word of God and they quote them every single day and they're not even in the word of God. Why is that? I think that probably it started by somebody saying, hey, here's what I think. Hey, here's what I think. And then grandma passes off to the next generation and the next generation passes it off to the next generation and the next generation and all of a sudden nobody knows why they believe what they believe because they're not grounded themselves. They're living off what someone told them which may not even be the truth of God's word but just something that they thought was the word of God or was more comfortable than the word of God. Listen guys, this is truth right here. You can call it a truth bomb, you can whatever. If you wanna go ahead and put that in the chat right now, Drop the mic, truth bomb. I'm not dropping the mic right now, but whatever you want to put there, because this stuff needs to be said. We need to flesh this stuff out. Literally, we need to flesh it out. It's a mystery. The Bible talks about us being stewards of the mysteries of God. It doesn't say knowers of the mysteries of God. Yes, we will know certain things, but we are stewards of the mysteries of God. What do stewards do? They steward. They protect God has entrusted us to protect the mysteries of God. That means that we don't interject our own opinion into the mysteries of God and try to make it something that it's not at all. It's a mystery. Mary asked the angel, I believe you, but how is this gonna happen? I have not known a man. Like there was a mystery to it. Like I'll say yes, and here's why we can say yes to God and not have to understand everything, because he's God. Mary understood that. She was frightened, yes. She could not have understand what it meant to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. How is the Holy Spirit gonna impregnate me? That is beyond the natural laws of man. I've not known a man. How can that happen? But yet she still said yes. Why is that? Because it gets our attention when things happen we cannot explain. 
why is it that illusion is, is, is such a draw for us? Because there's a mystery to it. Why do most illusionists not want to give up their secrets? Because it removes the mystery. And when it removes the mystery, then it removes the seeking and the asking and the knocking. As children of God, we're supposed to be continually asking and seeking and knocking, pursuing, not the mysteries of God, but God himself. And as we pursue him and lean into him and grow in him, then that desire for the mysteries of God begins to reveal itself. The mystery speaks of something bigger than us, a profound secret. The definition even says, holy unknown, beyond comprehension. What does that mean? Yes and amen, awe and wonder. The first Adam was made from the earth and given life. The second Adam came from heaven and gave life and gave life more abundantly because he is life. A mystery. Number two, it's a miracle. What do we say about all this? It's a mystery. We can't explain it all, but even though we can't explain it all, catch this, everybody, God fulfilled it anyway, even though we can't explain it all. God's not waiting on us to to understand it all or explain it all before he fulfills it all. God fulfills it because he's God. God created man in his own image. God gave a prophetic word in Genesis chapter three about about himself coming as a man and bruising. There would be a heel that would be bruised, but there would be a head that would be crushed. And the head that would be crushed would not be the son of God. That prophecy, even from the very beginning, that God already had a plan. God already has a plan. We're sitting here fidgeting about what's going on right now, and God already has a plan. All you got to do is trust God. All you got to do is take your next step. All you got to do is lean into God. Is, are you going to understand it all? No. Are you going to feel like you're stepping out sometimes on like a lake of water, and you're going to drown? Absolutely. But when you step out, when he says come and you step out, God will bring you above the natural laws of man and let you walk in his mysteries so that you can explain it. It's a mystery, but it's a miracle. Isaiah 7 was the promise, the yes. But just like we read in Matthew 1.18, that was the fulfillment. That's the amen, the miracle. It was supernatural. Mary believed. She said, let it be unto me according to your word. I don't know how this is going to happen, but I know it's you, Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word, not someone's opinion, your word, Lord. If it's your word, It can happen even though I don't understand it. Man, this is good, y'all. It's a miracle. Miracles are often things that we cannot understand. They have no explanation. They go beyond the scope of the laws of nature and man. Born of a woman who has known no man is a miracle. Galatians chapter four, verse four says this. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But when the fullness of time had come, 
God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, fully man to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. The only way we get that is if he's born of the spirit as well. Came from a woman, conceived by the Holy Spirit. You see, when you lay this out, there are a lot of intellectuals, a lot of pseudo-theologians. There's a lot of people who have theological degrees. They've worked very, very hard to get those degrees. And they have this knowledge of the, the written works of God without a knowledge of God himself. You see, God did not desire for us as his creation to have a relationship with pages. He desired for us to have a relationship with him. Yes, we learn about him and and the Holy Spirit reveals things about the nature and the character of God and even ourselves through the word. It is the truth. It is the infallible authoritative word of God. But God desires a relationship with us. Conversations, prayers, belief, faith, hope, love, fruit of the Holy Spirit that he lives in us, fruit being shown. And that brings us back to our promise. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, the yes. And they could have no idea that in the midst of this battle, this attack, that Isaiah would be bringing these words to say, no matter what the enemy tries to do, he will never fully defeat us. 740 years before Jesus was born, a promise was given that the enemy would not prevail. And now, 2,000 plus years later, after this promise was fulfilled, it's the same word for us, Emmanuel, God with us, the Spirit of God to live in us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead in us. You know, we always during this time of year, we see nativity sets and we see kids plays in school and in churches. We see dramas, we see presentations in churches. We see all these things and we see this little babe in a manger. And sometimes it's actually a real baby, you know? Most times it's just a doll wrapped in swaddling clothes, so to speak. But no matter how many times we try to do that, we'll never be able to capture what really happened. Because what really happened wasn't a presentation. It wasn't a production. It was real people dealing with real situations in real life, being met by a real God, a miraculous, mysterious God, who in that moment said, I'm coming. I'm coming to you. You can't get to me. I'm coming to you. And in the form of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. He was birthed into this world. And he was birthed into this world without much fanfare. He wasn't birthed onto this world a star on a stage. He wasn't birthed into this world as this great conquering king, but just a baby. Just a baby boy. But as he grew, and as he grew, 
And as he began to walk in his destiny, it began to become clear to some that he wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a man. There's something different. And did they know that that would culminate one day on a cross? I don't know. But even while he was on the cross and he was being emptied of himself, some didn't believe. Even after he resurrected and people saw him, we're not just talking about 12 disciples seeing him and saying, hey, we saw Jesus, we saw Jesus. No, no, no. Some possibly hundreds of people seeing him after the resurrection. Some people still didn't believe. The apostles and the disciples sent all over the world preaching this word. Jesus came, born of a virgin, and they go through the whole gospel. Born of a virgin, important. Fully God, fully man, important. Died on a cross, important. Dead and buried, important. Resurrected, important. Ascended to the right hand. Sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. Will come again. All of it is important and all of it is true. It is the good news. The good news wasn't just that Emmanuel is going to be born. The good news is that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was born of a virgin. He would live a sinless life. That he would be crucified on a cross, emptied of himself fully, the Son of God. And he would be buried in a very specific tomb. That was prophesied as well. Resurrected. Everything prophesied about Jesus. The yes becoming amen. And today we live in this promise from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. That he was born of a virgin. And he is Emmanuel, God with us. And now we know that when Jesus ascended, he didn't leave us alone, but he sent the Comforter and the Holy Spirit, not just to be with us, but now in us. It's mysterious and it's miraculous. And I don't feel like I have to have an ex explanation for all of it. I feel like it's important for us to dig in and get the truth of what God is saying to us, but I don't need to explain all of it because it is a mystery. And if it's not a mystery, then we're really not serving the God of the heavens and the earth. We're really not passionately following the savior of the world. But it is mysterious and it is miraculous. And that's how we know Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen, amen, come on. Christmas edition, God's promises, yes, and amen. What, a, what an amazing first step into December for this Christmas edition of God's Promises. Listen, if you're watching us, if you're listening, if you don't know this Jesus, you can know him. <laughs> Although I went into this mysterious and miraculous, he also created a conduit where you can come to him and you can confess your sins, lay those things before him, receive him, Believe in your heart. Not just that he was born of a virgin and died on a cross, but that he was resurrected from the dead. Believe in your heart and confess it with your mouth that you can be saved. And we wanna help you with that. We wanna help you take next steps. If you don't know Jesus, and listen, you've leaned into this word today, can you please let us know that at mediahub at thpshreveport.com. 
Maybe you've come back into this revelation of it being very personal. Maybe you have created distance between you and God, or so you think. Maybe you've walked back into that because of this amazing promise from God. Let us know, mediahub at thpshreveport.com. Let us know how we can pray for you. Let us know where you're at, what your next step is, what God's doing in your life, and how we can pray for you. We love you. God bless you.